Welcome to the Song Saloon. I'm singer-songwriter Jordan Smith-Reynolds. Each episode, I meet with an artist and sit down with one of their songs. Today, I have the pleasure of meeting with Sonia Midtoon. Sonia Midtoon is an artist and songwriter from Minnesota, located in Los Angeles. As an artist, Sonia released her EP, Dreams Melt Away, in April 2021, and continued to release another EP, Golden Girl, in 2022. She put out 11 songs in 2022, and thanks to viral support from TikTok, she reached 28,000 monthly listeners. Sonia Midtoon, welcome to the saloon. Thank you so much. Tell us, what's the song we're working on today? This song is called Growing Up For You. I was trying a different method of songwriting, and I produced out a track and just started singing over it. The chorus melody is kind of what came out. The line actually used to be growing up with you, and I wanted to make it more true to the situation. So I thought that little change made all the difference, feeling like you have to make a change within yourself to grow up and move forward. Yeah, that's a huge shift with just a little word. The meaning is very different. Right, right. Yeah, and that's something I haven't heard as much growing up for you as opposed to growing up with you. I do think that makes it a lot more interesting as a song and as a lyric. You mentioned with the production, starting there instead of maybe just playing with your instrument for a while and coming up with the lyric. Can you talk about what your normal songwriting process is like and how this differed? Yeah, my normal process is pretty agonizing. Typically, I'll be driving my car and I'll come up with an idea And then I'll try to get a voice memo while risking my life. And then I sit down with a guitar and try to figure out whatever I was singing in the car. But this other method allowed me to think more creatively, like how I wanted it to sound. I've always felt like writing on acoustic guitar makes me think acoustic guitar in terms of production. But sitting down this way and kind of building out a track and having fun with it I wasn't really expecting it to be a song that I was going to record. I was just kind of experimenting. And then once I wrote something that felt really true to me, I thought, wow, this is cool. I could really take a step in this direction production-wise and break away from the acoustic world. How did that affect you melodically? Did you find the melody came out differently because you started from that place as opposed to with acoustic? Yeah, I think so. I think when I write acoustic, if the melody that I came up with is in my lower range, I typically put it in the verse. And then I try to have the chorus go up at some point. But because I wrote the chorus first in this song, the chorus melodies starts up there and then it pops up even more. I felt like, wow, this sounds really chorusy already. And because I didn't have the verse melody figured out yet, the chorus was able to just exist on its own. And then I figured out the verse later. And it was fun that way, honestly. Let's go ahead and play the track. And for those watching or listening right now, we actually went to this music conference, Durango, and met up there. And we recorded this there at the music conference. So it's in this little hotel room space. We didn't have a ton of room to move around, but I think it turned out really nice and it was really fun to record it in that situation. So, all right, here it is. Don't know where to start, I'm lost in a cliche. Old hesitation, I can't make it go. jealous heart pulling at thin air 
whose careless pull me apart like a thread. The fall is endless, summer shot from the dead. Her name was already carved, I got nothing left. Was starting out on a scar, trying to Love that song. So tell me a little bit about the production process. Yeah, so I produced out a demo and I sent it to the producer I was working with. His name's Sean Oakley, and he had picked out another song that we were doing. And so I already knew his style. That song's called Golden Girl. We had already done that song. So I produced keeping his production in mind and then... I sent it to him and we re-recorded everything, but he kept a lot of my production elements in there. So that was really fun because I hadn't, with my former EP, my last EP, Dreams Melt Away, I didn't do anything like that. So this was super cool to contribute to the production in any way. He was the producer on the track. I just did the demo. So what stayed consistent and what didn't? Oh, let's see. I think my demo was pretty bare bones. I had some sort of fake drums and then I had the do 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 in the guitar that I was playing. We kept that in, but I redid it, of course. And I think I just had really basic electric guitar going on, but in the produced track we have acoustic guitar under there. We have electric guitars, we have electric guitar solos. The bridge has this cool synth part that do, 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 that we did in the studio. I'm playing all the guitars, solos, and synth stuff in the studio, but 
his produced out version has really cool layered drum tracks that he made. And just like all the magical elements of the song we came up with in the studio. So he really made it come to life. And that was super fun. Cool. Sean Oakley was the producer as well as the recording engineer and everything for this track. Yes. I was looking into his catalog of music. His hands have been on a lot of different projects. Yeah. Yeah. It was such an honor to work with him. We actually used to be kind of co-workers. And so he was like, send me your music. Let's talk. You know, several years ago. And then when he heard the song Golden Girl, he said, let's do a few songs together. I really want to push you into kind of a new genre because I had been stuck in singer-songwriter land. He's not only engineered some of my favorite albums, but also produced artists like Georgia, who I'm a huge fan of. I catch that band on KCRW all the time. So was super, super excited to finally work with him. And because of having our history, he was a really safe space for me. I would come home from the studio and tell my fiance, like, I'm worried that the next session isn't going to be as fun because we're having so much fun. When does the momentum stop? And it just never did. It was so fun. Yeah, finding collaborators that bring the best out of you is just, there's nothing like it. So did you work on several songs at the same time in the studio? I had sent him a golden girl and he said, okay, can you make me like 10 more songs that are going more so in this direction? So I think I sent him like eight songs in two weeks, recorded demos. Some had a little bit of production, some didn't. And then he kind of picked out four more songs that he was inspired by, Growing Up For You being one of them. We got each song to the mixing process before we started the next one. So like once the production was fully done, then we would work on the next song and then we mixed them all at the same time, obviously. But yeah, we had five songs in mind while we were recording. Having multiple songs like that to bring to a producer is really valuable. Even though you may vibe with each other and you know that it will be a good fit, to get their opinion on songs that they really gel with immediately is, at least in my experience, that's been extremely helpful. Yeah, actually, I think I rewrote every single song in between the selection process and the recording process. I think that growing up for you, I was working on the lyrics like the night before just because I didn't think they were totally translating the story. I'm pretty sure I did that for every song on the EP. If you listen back to a song and you don't feel like the lyrics really hit you or your point's coming across, then you're maybe being a little too safe on the lyrics or just trying to rhyme. So you're not really saying your point. That's why I went back and did all the editing. And honestly, since the music's come out, it's made me want to be even bolder and even more risky in my upcoming music. Cool. And what does that look like to you? Yeah, so what it looks like is like being a little less vague and being a little bit more specific. I think I worry that someone's going to speculate if a song is about them. And typically my trick for that is I either stay vague or if I think that it's kind of obvious, I'll change part of the lyrics to throw them off. So, you know, someone's going, this song's about me, but oh, orange sweatshirt, I never had one of those. I'm like, ah, gotcha. But eight, nine years in, I just don't care. 
I don't care if someone thinks yeah. that a song is about them, whatever, cool, good for you. But yeah, so what that means for me is just being less vague and more specific and just really saying what I want to say instead of like having it fit into a parameter or trying to rhyme or something like that. We talked about Durango and how we were both there. One of the comments I kept hearing from the panel of music industry people that are in sync and other places, they kept talking about specificity and how specificity is like kind of in right now <laughs> even though it doesn't work for sync right and yeah. usually so yeah and people are saying that for sync you know that's a no-no or whatever and but i think we're coming to a place where even in sync they had mentioned that if you get specific in the verses that can still work all right because you have this chorus that's more universally appealing and that's typically how a song is constructed anyway so you can just connect to it so much better, which is so strange to me because the more specific you get, the more you'd think, oh, these other people haven't had that same experience. But we're able to put ourselves in a song, I think, a lot more easily when you have that specificity. Yeah, exactly. So you've been very busy with releasing songs. I think you said you were doing one a month. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds so intense to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I will talk about it from the intention of inspiring you because that's what somebody did for me. 2021, I put out my EP, Dreams Melt Away. It was four songs. I really felt like I did everything right there. Highly polished songs. I had a really good merch campaign. My social media was on point. But, you know, a few months after the release, I felt this real letdown of just like, what do I do now? And I spoke to a coach who I found through TikTok, Conan Avery. And he's like a manager over in the UK. Anyway, it was like 20, 30 bucks for a Zoom. And he was saying, you know, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're going to be disappointed. There's no way to avoid disappointment when you have a huge product and you launch the product and then it's over. Even if it's successful, there's going to be some sort of come down. And he said, the goal for you should really be to be in a state of flow as an artist. So like while one song is getting mastered, another one is being written. And while that's being written, another thing is being recorded. So in your artist checklist, you've got promote that song, get the master back for the other song I'm recording in my free time. This sounds like a lot, but where I started with it, was writing down five to 10 song titles a day. I think I did this for about two months. Then taking an hour a day to pick three of those song titles and then work for maybe 15 minutes on each song. And then one day a week, sit down and you have 15 starts of a song. So then you can pick one song that you think is quality out of those 15 starts and finish it. So then by the end of two months, you have a ton of song starts, and then you have about eight song songs, but they've been bottlenecked through this process of elimination in a way. It only takes having four songs that you're proud of to get really inspired. I think if you want to grow a lot, then putting out a ton of music is going to do that. That's like the way to develop yourself now as an artist. I started doing that, I think, October 2021. 
And by December, Sean Oakley, who had expressed interest in the one song, and then I thought maybe I can get him to do three or four more. So if that's five, I wanted to do a few live versions of my old EP. So that's three. So now I got eight songs. And then I thought nine, 10, 11, 12, I could produce a few myself that I don't think maybe fit in Sean's vibe. And I also found another producer who dabbles in mixing and mastering. His name is Barack Yerabakin. If you're really going for not having your eggs all in one basket and you have a ton of songs, budget out a little bit with this producer, a little bit with this producer, self-record a few. One of my acoustic versions did super well on TikTok where the original version didn't really do as well. So anyway, that was a lot, but <laughs> but that's kind of where it all came from. It was just a lot of stuff, me just exploring all my options and really just getting so sick of myself to the point where I just wanted to try everything. What I think I got out of that is the importance of breaking down a thing. It's really intimidating to think as an artist, okay, I've got to do all these things. I've got to wear 15 different hats because I've got to make the thing. I've got to figure out who to work with to make it happen. I've got to figure out how I'm going to promote it afterwards, who I'm going to reach out to. The quantity, like you mentioned, having so many songs out there. And it can just feel very overwhelming. So the first bit of advice I got from that was being able to consciously break things down. And from the writing perspective, making that a lot easier on yourself, which is totally something I'm going to steal, is doing those little 15-minute writes on a song title. Something that I find for myself is I'll start a song and then feel like kind of good about it, but like not 100% sold, and then feel this obligation to finish the thing in order to get on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had that experience, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had that too. Okay. But to me, it's sounding like, you know, just setting the expectations from the beginning. We're just going to experiment and play for 15 minutes and then have a bunch of those little bites to work off of. Tell me a bit about your experience feeling that obligation to finish a thing versus this new approach of your writing. Oh, yeah. I mean, not finishing a song just doesn't feel good. You feel like, what's the point of that? You know, and then forcing yourself to finish it. If it's not some of your best work, that also feels like, okay, well, I finished it. It's behind me, but it wasn't as fulfilling. And then sometimes you make it mean something about you like, well, I guess I'm not a legendary songwriter, you know? What I like to teach in my class on songwriting is like, the more you put yourself in the creative mood, the more creative times you will experience. And I think that is the goal as somebody who's transitioning from working a bunch of jobs or working a full-time job and wanting to be an artist is experiencing yourself as an artist. And there's other ways to feel that than being on stage. It's being in the studio, it's filming the music video, and it also includes getting creative by yourself and writing music. And if you're dedicating your time half hour every day or an hour every day to experience yourself as an artist, I think your overall self-esteem as an artist will go up. It's less significant in terms of the product that you're creating, because if you're focusing on quantity, but you're committed to quality, then that quantity is going to produce quality. So then if you're putting yourself in the creative space a little bit more often to turn out that quantity, then you're just going to move faster to the quality. 
Sometimes I'm envious of people who have band bands and they have a rehearsal space. I know it's like wrangling cats, but if someone gives me a beat and then I'm playing guitar, then I could write a song so fast with that energy. But being by yourself, you have to somehow create the same thing, whether you're making a track and singing over it or seeing what comes out on acoustic guitar and voice memo. Yeah, I think that's a good point for collaboration. So seeking out collaborators because we don't have to do it by ourselves if that's not our style. And then also for writing in a DAW, like you were talking about with this song coming from a production standpoint, that can be a way to fill that space, to have some sort of beat or some sort of loop that's inspiring you as you decide to write something. Right. That's something I've heard Mitski talk about before. Mitski also writes from that place of kind of just, oh, I'm going to write a little thing today and save it, then go back after a month and pick out the ones that I want to work on. So I really appreciate you coming on here and reminding me of that writing process because that helps you stay in that creative state. And that's the other thing that I've really taken from our interview together is how important it is to chase that flow state as an artist and chase that place where you're happiest, where you're creating and feeling good about it. Do you also chase that flow state in other mediums, like in trying to promote your music and do all the kind of the business side that's a little harder to get into that good (laughs) feeling? (laughs) What's been your experience with that? Yeah, the short answer is yes, in terms of like social media and promoting and sync and whatever. I am one of those people that like before the pandemic, I was working five jobs, Mm -hmm. five jobs. And I wouldn't say I was miserable because being busy makes me happy. And I I just had so much more energy back then. So I'd come home from work and I'd grind out something and do emails. But now my lifestyle is so different. And it seems like I wake up and I have my coffee. And from nine o'clock to two o'clock, I'm posting on social media, especially when I had the music coming out, I was posting on TikTok like three times a day. I wake up, post something, you know, I draft something. And then I would get to my emails. You know, I have a list of long-term goals like sync, tour, et cetera. And then I have shorter-term goals like social media things. And then you can break the goals into like actions that you can actually control. Like you can't control getting that opener tour spot, but you can control how many people you message about it. (laughs) And I'm like not that good at that. But yeah, I would say I definitely have like ways of committing to other aspects of the business And in fact, I think like identifying what season you're in, because right now I'm definitely in like a business and sync season and I'm transitioning into more of like a writing season again, because I want to keep the ball rolling for 2023. I'm searching for my direction right now. I think I've ran out of steam a little bit, but yeah, I definitely commit to the business side of things too, even though I'm not as good at that. Yeah, it's so tricky. I feel like that's really, as an artist, it's figuring out the balance. I really like what you said about seasons, too, because we can beat ourselves up a bit for being in a business season and not spending so much time on our craft, but it is really important, too. And I think we can look as an extension of our art and what we're doing because we love what we're doing and we need to get that out there. You mentioned a songwriting class, and I want to make sure we bring that up as we wrap up this episode. What is the songwriting class? Is this something that people can go to? Is it online? Unfortunately, no. So the last four years I've been teaching at Cal Poly Pomona and Mount St. Mary's University. And right now I'm only teaching at Mount St. Mary's University. So it's a closed university class. 
But I have thought about creating some sort of online thing. But yeah, unfortunately, right now, it's just a college course. Okay. Follow Sony Midtune on all the socials so you can be updated for when the online course emerges. If <laughs> yes. It does. Where can we find you online? It's at Sony Midtune everywhere. Yes, I'm pretty easy to find. So S-O-N-J-A-M-I-D-T-U-N-E. And I'm on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Spotify. Do you have any releases coming up that we can be looking for? Yeah, I put out a stripped down version of this song growing up for you in January. So that's out. And I have two more stripped down versions from the EP coming out in the next two months. And then I'm probably going to self-produce a few songs and hopefully do a few more with Sean as well. So I'm thinking about maybe eight for this year. Amazing. Once you start, you can't stop. I mean, really, <laughs> that's what it is. Honestly, I'm blown away with the amount of content you're able to produce. Like a song a month is one thing. And then you're also talking about releasing several TikToks in a day. And that just like shatters my universe because <laughs> the thought of doing one TikTok every three days is like, <laughs> it's tough. Thank you again so much. This was awesome. Love the song. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And I really also admire your music as well. And I'm honored to be a part of the podcast. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for that. See you next time at the saloon. Thanks for stopping by the Song Saloon. Episodes are released weekly on Wednesday, and you can follow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter at The Song Saloon, and visit our website, thesongsaloon.com, where you can find past episodes, transcriptions, sign up to our email list, and find more ways to support the show. Please follow, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every little bit helps grow our community of artists, songwriters, and music lovers. We truly couldn't do it without you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.